Well, today is a great day. Today is a wonderful day that we as a church get to celebrate confirmation. We get to celebrate these confirmation students. And that's why I wanted you to get a chance to see whether you're here in person or whether you're online, that we have this amazing class of young people. And we as a church get a chance to invest in them and care for them and help them understand what it means to grow in their faith. Confirmation is that step in their lives where they begin to understand this journey that God calls us on. That begins when we're baptized. Many were baptized as young uh, people uh, or they sometimes are as, as teenagers as well. But it's a way to understand how that, that step that they're gonna be taking today to publicly declare their faith in Jesus and to become a member of this church. And you get a chance to contribute at all ages. Did you hear them talk about learning about their spiritual gifts was so important to them because they get a chance to utilize those even now. And we as a church get to bless them and we as a church get to pray for them. And what I remind all the confirmation students is that while this might be the end of their confirmation journey, it's just the beginning of the journey of faith, right? There's so much more to still experience and there's so much more to still learn and there's so much more to still ask questions about as all of us know, right? Learning to follow in the footsteps of Jesus is a lifelong process of learning to grow and to be more like Christ each and every day. Well, we're in a series of messages this month where we're trying to do just that. What does it mean to walk in the footsteps of Jesus? We want to take a look at that a little bit literally, see some pictures of some things that Jesus might have experienced. But it's more about the journey of living, learning to live like Jesus and to know what was important to him. That's the goal for us as followers of Christ is to learn to live like Jesus and to know what was important to him. And so we started out with baptism, that Jesus went into the waters of the Jordan River and baptism is this very important thing for all of us because it reminds us that you and I are a child of God no matter what happens in our life, that we are claimed and part of God's family. And then we looked a little bit, if you were with us, into some of the arid region where Jesus went into the Mount of Temptation. And he experienced temptation just like all of us do. None of us are immune to it. And how do we learn to, to stand up against temptation in our world? Last week, we talked about Jesus' healing ministry. That Jesus really cared. As he walked along, he cared about people's uh, ailments and he would touch them and he'd reach out to heal them and the man who had leprosy and all kinds of different things because he cares. And he cares when you and I need healing and when we need restoration in our life too. So we talked about the healing ministry and the touch of Jesus last week. And today we're gonna to talk a little bit about the teaching ministry of Jesus, how Jesus described his followers and how we can walk in his footsteps today. So let's pray as we get started this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for teaching us through your word. And you did that, Lord, in lots of different ways for the people of the first century and you do that for us even today. And so Lord, I pray that we would learn from your word this morning that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Lord, the concerns and burdens on our hearts, we just lift them to you right now. We ask that you would just hold them for these few moments together so that we can be able to hear from you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We offer it in your name. Amen. 
So I want you to see a little bit of the places around the Sea of Galilee where Jesus did a lot of his teaching. So this first picture that you're gonna see today, this is probably similar. Notice the terrain is very green around the Sea of Galilee. And tradition has it that up on this mountain is where Jesus went to pray when he wanted to decide upon who his disciples were gonna be. He had to choose his disciples. And so this mountain perhaps was the one that Jesus went up when he was choosing and praying about his disciples. This next picture shows a view from the top and you see a little bit of the Sea of Galilee there and you'll notice some of the little villages that are in the plain area. Um, They would often do that right along the sea and there were mountains that surrounded the Sea of Galilee. And this last picture is from the top, kind of this uh, mount where probably Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount that we're gonna talk about today. And you can see it's beautiful greenery and the Sea of Galilee that goes from there. In college, I actually had the opportunity to stand around in that spot where that picture is today in the Chapel of the Beatitudes. It was this eight-sided chapel in there, and on the walls were inscribed that began with the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor, and blessed are the meek, and blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are the peacemakers. And I remember running my fingers along the etching of that Beatitude inside that chapel, And I went out and I stood on the balcony of that church and got a chance to look out kind of in what you see in that picture today. And the sea breeze came into my face and I thought, this is incredible. Because you get a chance to stand here and I wonder what it would have been like to hear those words first from Jesus. Because it was from here that Jesus began his teaching ministry. And the people, they, they responded in all kinds of different ways to Jesus' teaching. The commoners, well, they just loved him and they they hung on every word that he had to say because it was new and it was different and they wanted to understand it. And the religious folk, well, they were very skeptical and I, I just see them standing there with their arms crossed and they were trying to read between the lines because they didn't trust what Jesus was saying. See, Jesus came to bring change change in the way that they did things and change in the way that they worshiped and even how they understood Sabbath and what it meant to have a relationship with God. Yet I think it was very intentional that Jesus chose to teach from the mountains because he was reminding the people that some things, God's words, never change. For you see, it was this connection that Jesus had with the Old Testament figure of Moses. And where do the people receive the Ten Commandments? They received them at the bottom of Mount Sinai, where God came down on the mountain and enveloped that, and the glory of God shone around the people. And God said to them, he made a covenant with them, he said, if you obey my commandments and if you do everything that I ask you to do, you will be my treasured people. And so Moses gave them the Ten Commandments on that day and the people responded and said, we are going to do everything that the Lord has said to us. And so Moses became the mediator between a holy God and a sinful people. And Jesus too came to be the mediator between a holy God and a sinful people. And so Jesus was reminding them that these words, that Jesus came to fulfill the law and to bring a new version of that. And so here we are, In Matthew chapter five, the Sermon on the Mount, it's often known as Jesus' inaugural address. It talks about his priorities. It talks about what was important to him and the things on his heart. And so we're gonna start there, Matthew chapter five, verse one this morning. You'll see it on the screen. It says, now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. 
And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus began this, this sermon that goes all the way through Matthew chapter five, six, and seven, and he began with these words that were so different than anything that they would have heard. And Jesus begins by talking about these characteristics, about meekness and about purity of hearts and, and about um, those who mourn and about the peacemakers. It was so different because they were used to teachers, the Pharisees, they only had contempt for these qualities. They were, they were very prideful and they had spiritual arrogance and they were self-righteous in this very showy religious work. And Jesus came to bring a different message. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And this whole sermon that he gives is about the attitude of the heart. He said, all of these actions that you do, they're good, but it also matters about your heart. What's the motive of your heart? Why are you doing this? What is, what is it that you're trying to do? Are you trying to bring glory to yourself or are you trying to bring glory to God? And so Jesus begins there. He says, your attitude is really important and he challenges followers to go beyond just the letter of the law. They were people who were called to be his followers, who were called to be messengers, to bring God's love and grace to a hurting world. It wasn't just about religious actions. It was about the heart, the motive behind it, living out your faith as a reflection of what you believe. That's what Jesus was calling them to in this message. And these beatitudes, they're, they're sort of this beautiful poetic language, aren't they? But they're statements that are hard. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We don't like to mourn, do we? It's not always easy to be a peacemaker. But he says that you're called to be sons of God. And so what he's doing here, these statements are about this new reality that Jesus is bringing to the world. They're sort of counterintuitive. They're not descriptions about human feelings. When Jesus said we're blessed, he doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna be happy. It's not easy to do the right thing, is it? It's not you're gonna feel good necessarily if you're persecuted because you're doing the right thing. Nobody wants to sign up for that. He said this is gonna be hard. That sometimes you have to stand up and do the right thing even when it's hard. And you might not feel happy, but you are gonna be blessed. That's what Jesus is calling them to do. And what Jesus is saying to the, to the fishermen, he says, you, you form a fisherman, you're gonna be blessed because you're gonna be a part of this new kingdom that I'm bringing to the world. And they're in the process of discovering that their lives, well, it's not just about them anymore. That they're part of this great big thing that God wants to do in the world. And he's inviting them to that new reality. No longer are their lives just gonna be defined by the culture of the town of Capernaum or the expectations of their extended families or the size of the fish that they can pull out of Sea of Galilee. From now on, their lives are gonna matter, their lives are gonna count because they're part of the kingdom of God and they're a part of this blessing that Jesus wants to do and he says you need to do this 
and follow in my footsteps because I'm gonna use you in an incredible way. And so too for all of us as Christians today, we have to remember that we are part of this great movement of God. We are a part of what Jesus wants to continue to do in our world. It's not just about us getting up and going to school or going to work or doing whatever we're doing. It's also a part of being in the movement of God and remembering that all of us are called to that bigger thing. And Jesus um, talks about this. He says this mission that we have as citizens of the kingdom of God, he said, I want to use some practical examples of what that looks like. And the great thing about Jesus' ministry is that he taught in several different ways. He taught sometimes about practical things that we could understand. Sometimes he used stories. Sometimes he used parables. And those are stories that have a particular moral ending to think about and be challenged about. But in this case, he says he calls his followers in this great big movement that he's doing. He says, you are going to be salt and light. We can understand that a little bit, can't we? Matthew 5, verse 13, this is what he says. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. So Jesus uses this very practical thing of salt. What is salt used for? Well, in biblical times, salt was used for preserving foods. They didn't have all the fancy refrigeration and all that stuff that we have today. So this salt was a preservative. It helped to preserve and care for their food in a good way. But it was also used for what we use it for. When we have this on our table, what do we use it for today? We use it for a little flavoring, don't we? Yeah? A doctor will get on us if we put too much on, but you know, it's good for us. We, We use it for flavoring to enhance whatever it is that we're eating. And so Jesus is saying to them, he's teaching them, he's saying, you are the salt of the earth. When you follow me, when you go where I send you, you will bring the richness and the hope and the compassion of heaven to people on earth. And our job is to make the lives of those around us better, to enhance the flavor and the experience that others have of life. Have you ever thought about that? That our job is to help to enhance the lives of those around us. Now, salt doesn't do very much if it just stays in the salt shaker, does it? We can look at it, but we don't usually. Salt is only good if it gets out of the salt shaker to do what it's supposed to do. And have you ever had a time where the salt gets stuck in your salt shaker? You get a little water in there or something, and some of the holes, they get clogged up, and you can't get it out, and you're you know, shake, shake, shake. I might do it because I'll make a mess, but you're shake, shake, shaking on it because you can't get it out. And that's part of, I think, this metaphor that Jesus uses here is that we as Christians are to be not just clumped together all the time, but as we go out into this world, we're to get out of the salt shaker and into the world to make a difference in people's lives. That's what it means to be the salt of the earth that Jesus was talking to them. He's saying, as you follow in my footsteps, you are called to be salt for others. And then he uses a second metaphor. He says, you're the salt of the earth and then you are the light of the world. In the next verse, verse 14, he says this. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and what? Praise your Father in heaven. Now on those hillsides in the Sea of Galilee in that one picture that you saw, you saw that there were some little villages uh, down along the, the seashore there. Now if you have one oil lamp, that's what they had in those days, that might not show a lot of light. But in each of those homes, there may have been two or three lights, oil lamps that would have been burning. And you might not have been able to see that from the different distance, but several homes together in a little village, you're going to be able to see that as you look across the lake because those homes were gathered together in that place. And so that hillside, that's what Jesus was talking about. It can't be hidden. You can see it from anywhere along the lake. And in this passage, it's interesting here that Jesus uses the plural form of the word you. He says in essence, you, you all together are the light of the world. You're meant to be like a village on a hill. Jesus wasn't speaking just about us individually, but he says when you get together, that's when you shine your light for me. He's talking about the church. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be a light, not just for ourselves, but to be a light for the world. He's describing the community of his followers that we are to bring light and hope and life in the midst of the darkness around us. Let your light shine. But may it give glory to God and not to yourselves. This is what it means to be a part of the kingdom that Jesus was bringing and to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. How do we let our lives shine? We do it by our good works. In this context, the Greek word here, it also means beautiful. We're to demonstrate beautiful deeds, acts of kindness that draw other people to God so that they may see our Father in heaven. I went around here at the church and I asked and I said, could you bring me the biggest flashlight that we have around here? This is what they brought. That was a pretty good one, don't you think? When do you need flashlights the most? I was thinking about camping. Maybe you go camping. And it gets kind of dark out there. When you're in a campground, you maybe don't have all the lights around. And there was one time we went camping and uh, we had a pop-up trailer, so we had to go out and go to the bathhouse in the middle of the night. And I got out my flashlight. It was a small flashlight. It wasn't nice like this. And I went and I turned it on. And what happened? Nothing. And I switch it on back and forth. It's frustrated, you know. The batteries were not good. And I didn't want to change out the batteries in the middle of the night, so I had to stumble my way to get there. And I was really frustrated because those batteries were not ready to go when I needed it. And I think about sometimes for us, as Christians, we have to get our batteries recharged too, don't we? So that we can be this great big light that just turns on when we need it and can show the way not just for us, but for others. And I was thinking about that's what we do when we gather together in worship. And hopefully it's here that we get energized and we get refreshed and we get excited and we remember why we're doing what we're doing. And we get energized here so that we can go out into the world and be a reflection of Jesus there. And that's part of the responsibility that we have as we walk in the footsteps of Jesus to always be a reflection of him. 
Christ followers are to think and act like they belong to Jesus. We're different than the rest of the world because of the change that Jesus makes in our life. And so we have to think about that. It means that what you post on your Facebook page should reflect that you belong to Jesus. And what we text to our friends and our family should reflect that we belong to Jesus. And the words that come out of our mouths when we're angry or when we're frustrated should even reflect that we belong to Jesus. And how we treat other people at school or at work should reflect that we belong to Jesus. You see, the Christians in the first century, they made an impact on the world around them because Jesus had first made a difference in their life and in their heart. And they were known as people who loved each other and loved each other deeply. And the Apostle Paul writes that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation and our lives are different, not just on Sundays, but all the way through the week. And so I think that's what Jesus was saying. He's saying, you are to be the salt of the earth. You are to be a light in this world. Act like you belong to Jesus. Walk in my footsteps. Come here and be energized through worship, either online or in person, but get fired up and get energized and get right with God. So that we can go into the world and make a difference and act differently and speak differently and be different. That's the message that Jesus came to bring. That's what he was challenging the people to do and to be, to find our joy, to find our blessedness, to find our hope by first connecting with God and then being willing to take that message out into the world. Are you and I willing to be salt and light for others this week? Because Jesus is counting on you and me to do so. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to teach your people so long ago. And your message was intriguing because it was different and because it made people think. Because it wasn't just about the actions that we do, but the reasons that we do them. And to first have purity of heart that then produces actions that draw other people to you. So Lord, make us, make us think about that this week. What kind of reflection do people see when they get close to me? And Lord, may our lives reflect you. Because that's what it means to walk in your footsteps, is to reflect you. And so Lord, remind us of that this week. That each of us are a part of this great movement that you're doing in this world and want to do through us through the ordinary people that we are. And may we do that, Lord, with all of our heart and all of our strength this week. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to respond with a song.